1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
2: This is Monsters Who Murder: Serial Killer Confessions.
3: Police found 27 corpses. Australia's
1: worst serial killer. Even though know, I didn't want to get in the car, but I had
2: With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions and we couldn't do it without the serial killer whisperer, Amanda Howard. Hello.
0: Hello, Robert. How are you going? It's nice to see you again.
2: (laughs) Well, seeing being the operative word because this season (laughs) we are also doing a video version of the podcast. Amanda, this is truly, truly exciting.
0: It is exciting. I accept that I can't do it in my pajamas anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just glad you actually got dressed this time.
0: <laughs> I know, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Although, I'm sure there's some fans of yours who'd be hoping you didn't. <laughs> oh goodness, no. <laughs> Now, look, we are going to be doing this whole season as a video podcast as as well as the audio podcast. To watch it, all you have to do is go to mwm.uscreen.io. That's M-W-M for Monsters Who Murder. Uscreen is our provider, U-S-C-R-E-E-N.io. And I've got no idea what the I-O stands for, Amanda.
0: No, not do I. I'm sorry. I can can talk about serial killers, talk about um, websites and things. Yeah, no, not not my area of expertise.
2: Yeah, mine either. Hey, so (laughs) we're starting off this season with Stephen McDaniel. Give us the headline to draw us through to the psychological profile.
0: Uh, The headline would be... um, killer almost confesses on live television to the murder of a friend
2: wow that's a good headline well Stephen McDaniel (laughs) is coming up (laughs) he's coming up a little later in this edition of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions in the meantime Let's get into the news as we always do. Because police in France fear there may be hunting a serial killer after four women vanished from their homes while jogging. The victims have all disappeared in the last three months, and police are investigating every possibility and every hypothesis. According to The Sun, a spokesperson for the Central Service for Criminal Intelligence said it is true that we are facing a serial phenomenon. They said that they are currently looking for connections between the four separate investigations. Amanda, what do we know about this case?
0: Oh, well, so far it looks um, very much to be a serial killer case because there's so many similarities between the victims. So all these women are between sort of 35 and 45, which would suggest that the killer's around the same age. Um, most of the women except one were out jogging when they were picked up. Uh, one of them was actually taken from the from her home in the middle of the night, which is actually horrifying. Um, but it, they were sort of looking at a couple of other suspects, um, including the last woman's husband, but he's been cleared And so now it's actually looking at how these cases are connected. And, you know, there's those red flags already coming up.
2: Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that the police here are actually saying it could be a serial killer. So often we see authorities deny any possibility. They don't want to alarm the public. They also may be investigating and don't want to tip off the potential, the the killer, the suspected killer. So this is a very different tact.
0: I mean, yeah, there is a lot of official jargon that goes on saying, you know, it's not a serial killer, because it makes the police look like that they're failing if one person is continuing to kill and they're not actually catching them sooner. So when we actually have a case that they say, yes, this is a serial killer, I think it actually makes people a bit more aware. And I Mm. think we can actually save lives rather than uh, trying to save face, which is what seems to be the issue.
2: Indeed. All right, let's move on. Because a convicted serial killer who was on death row has died of brain cancer. Joseph Edward Duncan, 58, who was on federal death row, had been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. He was sentenced to death in 2008 following his conviction for the killing of nine-year-old Dylan Gwone and three others in Idaho. Amanda, this guy, he really was a piece of work, wasn't he?
0: Uh, I think he's up there as one of the worst. I would put him up there beside David Parker right, for what he did and um, what he did to the Groen family. It's just horrifying to imagine that this man's plan was to do what he did and uh, to kidnap these two children and uh, m- um, and and then murder Dylan um, and then take Shasta along with him. I'm, it's just It just gives me chills, this case.
2: Now, look, when I was doing some Googling on this guy, I came across an article which was really disturbing and showed him with a child he abducted. Can you tell me about this story? We've got the images here as well.
0: Um well what actually happened was he had abducted the the two children as I said and Shasta who's in the images that we're seeing um this is actually I think just before they were able to rescue her because a woman in Wendy's um, recognized her and called the police while they were sitting in Wendy's but um Shasta was actually taken through some horrific abuse and torture um that he did to her before she was able to escape from um his his grip because as I said someone Identified her, but um, it so had she'd been, been on several
2: days. Persons' reports, had she like this was well, um, a girl who was missing that people knew was a high-profile case.
0: Well, yeah, because he had, had killed the parents yep. and then uh, abducted the two children and um, what he did to them was actually quite brutal and graphic and then um, Dylan was found and so they they just expected that Shasta was going to be the next body they found but luckily um, she was found alive. She's actually quite active on Facebook. I don't expect people to go and chase her. Please don't. Um, but she is one of these survivors who's actually using her trauma to help others and um, it's just so reassuring now that she can do this I mean I wish she didn't have to but um for what she endured uh she's a good kid I mean she's a she's a lot older now but I I Mm. would still consider her a kid because she is frozen in time because of this case
2: and look just for the people who are listening to this as an audio podcast those images they're really confronting because they are of him in a I think he said it was a Wendy's and you can see him with the little girl just walking in and then in the second picture He's handing her something, and it just looks like a father and daughter out at the supermarket, you know? He's getting a coffee, she might be getting a little treat.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does. But um, when you look closer, the, the way that she's sort of hugging herself, that this is a self-comforting that she's actually doing, that she's mm. so terrified that um, the only way to sort of stop herself from shaking because this sort of fear creates like coldness as well, um, that she's actually shivering because she's in so much fear of what's going to happen next. And, um, you know, and there's all these people around and no one really knows that she is, is going through that horrendous abuse. Um, but, yeah, it was just moments after that.
2: and and just the arrogance of this guy thinking he could take her out and about and be fine
0: yeah there's actually going to be a few cases that we're doing like this that are coming up so um, I've already started digging through some and uh it's not the only time that it's happened and um JC Lee Dugard is a case that we'll be doing soon um and she was she had been kidnapped 18 years prior before she was finally rescued and she even had two children to her kidnapper so I mean this is something that does happen and mm-hmm. the fact that they feel that confident is just absolutely shocking
2: well I'm going to add this one to your big big list you've got 25 seasons worth we're at season 11 <laughs> so you've time to pl- start playing season 26 I'm interested in this guy
0: Uh, Duncan's
2: already on the list, it's okay. Of course he is. All right, let's move on because the hunt for a serial killer who preyed on gay men in Toronto was hampered by serious flaws in the police investigation including the stereotyping of LGBTQ plus people by police officers and a lack of public trust, a new report has concluded. Bruce MacArthur who targeted men living on the margins of society was given eight life sentences in 2019 but members of Toronto's LGBTQ Q Plus community had long feared that police ignored critical leads as he continued to kill. Global News has more.
1: This is the scathing 900-page report that retired Justice Gloria Epstein wrote, finding systemic bias in the handling of missing persons cases, specifically those involving the eight men who were victims of serial killer Bruce MacArthur. The report commissioned in June 2018 found that opportunities were missed to capture MacArthur sooner, starting with the investigation into his first victim in 2010.
3: We found a series of deficiencies in how that investigation was conducted. Uh, It was given low priority The risk assessment was, in Judge Epstein's view, um, incorrect. There were significant red flags that suggested that there was a strong possibility of foul play.
1: Epstein found MacArthur had a potentially meaningful connection to three men who disappeared in the LGBTQ community, but MacArthur went unnoticed as did his prior convictions. The failure blamed on a siloed approach. Epstein addressed statements then-chief Mark Saunders made to the media just a month before MacArthur's arrest. There were a lot of uh, things that were swirling out in the public. The fact that there was a serial killer that was out there, the evidence does not point to that. The evidence does not suggest that.
3: Judge Epstein found that the comments were deeply unfortunate and contributed to the frayed relationship that exists already between the service and vulnerable and marginalised communities.
2: Oh, Amanda, when we were covering this case at the time, there seemed to be some issues, including the police lying about the fact that this was the work of a serial killer, but obviously now we're seeing there's way more to it.
0: And I'm glad that they're actually doing this investigation, and I cannot wait to get my hands on that report. As you know, I will read the whole thing. Um, yes. It's it's <laughs> because <laughs> it's because we see these things like um, that these people are marginalised and 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 these these words and terms that come up with cases like this that people just. Um, just don't want to think that they're there. And the fact that someone is hunting them and killing them, it, it just sort of creates a us and them environment that the Canadian police seem to have been part of creating. So, so there was this chasm between them that, um, if they don't see it, then they can't investigate it. And so I think that, as, as I said, there was this this silent line between the gay community and the police. And so to be able to um, come forward now and say, yeah, we did wrong, I mean, that's that's a, a, a first step. It's very, very late, but it is a first step towards reconciling this and hopefully, mm. um, God forbid, this happened again, that we would be able to prevent it because they know to be more vigilant.
2: Well, this new approach is certainly the work of the new police chief. Uh, if we look at that old police chief, he certainly he lied to the public. He blatantly said there was no serial killer in Toronto when they knew they they, he, they knew that there was. If you remember Amanda, and I know you remember, uh, <laughs> but when they caught MacArthur, they'd already been tailing him, and the only reason they struck then was because he had another man in his room in his um, home and was about to strike again. So they had literally let a man go into the lion's den. You know, it could have all gone terribly wrong. And it's just crazy.
0: I mean, we are looking at a serial killer that was putting uh, pieces into pot plants around the suburbs. I mean, you know, and... <laughs> it, it, it defies belief. It does. That's that's for sure. And um, hopefully, this new police chief, as you said, he's he's done the first right thing. So let's hope that he can continue and keep Toronto safe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well. Don't worry, Patreon is still a thing. Even though we're a video podcast now, we are still serving up exclusive content to our Patreon subscribers. Patreon subscribers will continue to get the podcast a week early. We'll still have our special access to Amanda through the Facebook page if you are a patron. And we'll have our group video chats for our upper users, our group and single one-on-one Uh, video chats. So there is still plenty of reasons to go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions and see what tier suits you. But if you want to keep watching the video podcast, well, all you have to do is go to mwm.uscreen.io. After this week, every episode that we do will go on there and you can watch the videos, see what we're talking about, watch the body language and really get to know the cases in a whole new light. We really do feel that the video experience will bring something new to each and every one of you. Amanda, I really, I'm loving this. I think this is looking so good already.
0: I think it's fantastic. And it's just so different. I'm, I'm nervous like I'm on TV for the first time again. It's, it's just a bit weird, it's a bit exciting. And um, I'm thrilled that we actually get to do this because as you know, there's been so many cases that I wanted to do, but they really needed to be a visual focused episode. And so mm. now we can.
2: And, and that's the point. A lot, uh, not a lot, a few cases that are very specifically visual, we'll be able to cover those now in a whole new light. And it's all going to start in a moment
0: Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get fifty dollars off your purchase of five hundred dollars or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for fifty dollars off your purchase. Bluenile.com code LISTEN.
2: This is Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. You're listening to, or perhaps watching, Monsters Who Murder. Well, sometime after the evening of June 25, 2011, 25-year-old Stephen McDaniel murdered fellow student and neighbour 27-year-old Lauren Giddings in Macon, Georgia. McDaniel had stalked Lauren for months leading up to the murder and even helped in the search for the woman prior to her body being found. McDaniel injected himself into the search and was actually interviewed live on air about the case. We'll see that in a moment. Amanda, take us through what we're about to see.
0: Uh, this is one of those moments that you just absolutely love. So McDaniel looks actually quite unkept and unshaven. And um, his hair, he basically has this huge fro, which um is very indicative of his sort of chaotic nature that he has, um, which when he then goes to court is all sort of cropped and, and, and pulled back. Um, But he spends a lot of time sort of uh, chatting to this reporter who keeps asking more and more questions. And he's like very, very intensely involved. And, you know, he's saying that all, all this stuff about how him and Lauren had, um, you know, classes together and they spent a lot of time together and he'd gone over and helped her with a computer issue, you know, and he's, he's um, just sort of like chatting so, so much. And um, it's, it's quite interesting the angle they do because it's sort of like looking from, from the side. It's sort of not a, a face on. But he's really sort of intensely involved, like wants to be the star of the show and you can tell that there's a lot more going on.
2: Well, let's take a listen as he describes his fellow student, Lauren, and he's concerned with no one knowing at the time that he was the killer.
1: Yeah, Lauren was my neighbor. Um, we're just trying to find out where she is at this point. I mean, no one has seen her since Saturday. I mean, the last time anyone heard from her was an email that she sent out, and I mean, no one's heard from her since.
2: Now, Amanda, we're going to go on a journey here from him talking to the press here and him being interviewed by the police. And without spoiling what we're about to see, he's very animated here, but he's shaking his head a lot, isn't he?
0: He certainly is, and that's because his body's not believing what he's saying. So he's saying, oh, no-one's ah. seen her, and so he's shaking his head. So his 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 lies are coming through because his body's saying, "No, no that's wrong you know and so he goes oh you know no one's seen her her for days and he goes you know and and we're all upset and he's so he's doing things like this um you know it's it 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 is just one cue and and we need to look at more than one cue when we do things like this but it's just amazing that every time he sort of um says something sort of very definite he looks away like further away from the camera so um it's just it's a lot of gesturing that that's going on that um is going to have a little bit of interest later on with the police interview
2: well the journalists next asks about who she may have hung out with before asking what Lauren was like.
3: Did you see her hang out with anyone at the time? Anything like that? I
2: mean, no,
1: no, no one has seen her since Saturday. I haven't seen anything. I mean, have always seen noise outside, but it's just people walking by pretty much.
3: And you, uh, she just recently graduated from Mercer?
1: Yeah, she and I, were we were both JD
2: students. Um, we graduated back in May. Now, it's interesting. He does look beyond the camera that time to his left as they talk about the college.
0: Yeah, that's right, because he's sort of gesturing to all the places that she is. And it's interesting that, that she's, he almost motions to where her body is found just further down the street. Oh, really? So, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's amazing. This is I've watched this and pulled this apart so many times. Um, and, and a second journalist actually tries to join into the interview, and he sort of looks at her and goes back to the first one, because he has already believed that he's built a rapport with her, and she's interested in what he has to say about Lawrence. So it's almost like he is um, giving a eulogy.
2: Well, that's interesting. Look, let's have a look at this next bit because... Let's look carefully because there's a change in his demeanour that may be hard to pick up on.
1: What kind of person was she? I mean, how did you... What did you see? I mean, she's as nice as can be. I mean, very personable, very much a people person.
3: Do you know anybody that... Any enemies she might have had, somebody that might want to hurt her?
1: No, I'm... We're, we don't know where she is, I mean, the only thing we can think is that maybe she went out running and someone snatched her, because, I, I mean, we went at, we went over, one of her friends had a key, we went inside and tried to see if there was anything amiss, but, I mean, she had a door jam that was sitting right by it, so there was no sign that anyone broke in. I mean, the door was locked when
2: everyone got here, I mean, we, we just don't know where she is. I mean, Okay, Amanda. This is why I love doing this as a podcast. Because as a video podcast,
0: because you have that cheeky smile on your face again. <laughs> what have you picked up on? Oh, this is an amazing one. Now I get a lot of trouble on this podcast because I say "we" a lot, and the reason I use "we" is because I believe that this podcast is a learning experience, and I like to um, get everyone involved. So when I say "we," it's a collective "we" for all of us. But what's he? What he's doing there is actually negating his personal attachment. So he's saying. We we went over to her apartment. We looked in her room. We he's knew where the he was. He's part of a group. He's, he's not saying, I went there, because then he's sort of saying, hey, look at me, I'm, I'm the person you, you need to be investigating. So by saying we, it's like, oh, that there's a whole group of them and there's that collective need to, to find answers rather than him knowing that he took her and cut up her body.
2: Mm. Well, it's interesting because the reporter mentions a new development. Have a look at this. What
3: about um, in the, like, the parking lot area? I know they've been doing a lot of, I think that's where they have recovered the body or whatever they recovered from there. Body. Had you heard it? Had you seen anything there? Had you seen anything there? Hi. I mean, we don't know if this is the same person. You know what I mean? Like, they took out a body there earlier. We don't know if it's the same person or not. So that's how we're trying to ask people if they know who lived there. Are you okay, sir? I think I need
2: to sit down. Okay. Okay, talk to me about this. We know that he's the killer. Is this a genuine reaction, or is this him faking the shocking news that she's dead, or is he now worried that they found the body already?
0: Uh, Yes, all of the above. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, next question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, What what we have is that he is so overwhelmed. His body has now gone into fight or flight and he's frozen. So he doesn't know. He probably wants to throw up. He probably wants to run. He probably wants to scream. He has all of these emotions instantly going through because he knows it's her, regardless that that the journalist is trying to sort of say oh maybe it's not her yet yeah, because there's someone else that they're just going to find that they're actually not looking for yeah of course it's not um, and so he is now going into a, a state of shock because he expected it to take a little bit longer I think and he now knows that like the clock is literally ticking before he gets arrested because he may have thought that you know the bins were going to be collected and her body was taken away but they've got her and so he knows it's ended it's done
2: so the thing is this could be a genuine genuine reaction to finding out someone you know is dead right and and we know everything you're saying about what's really going on but at this stage he's still believable as a friend who's concerned you don't agree no
0: no 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 um this isn't a moment of um of sadness or loss this is oh my god i'm done this is self-preservation this is him worried about what's going to happen to him not what's happened to her you know there's there's no sort of like you know heart clutching throat clutching hand to the mouth all those movements that sort of give us those moments that that we're shocked to find that someone has passed Mm. um this is oh my god oh my god oh my god and i'm live on television while this is happening well this is why
2: you're the expert because you know we've often talked about in the newsroom that if a partner or a parent cries the more they cry the more guilty they are they killed the kid you know like that's the that's known throughout newsrooms in the world there were no tears here this is why i thought oh maybe that could be passed off as oh my god my friend's dead but i see what you're saying it's a different kind of reaction
0: yeah it's that that's um pure fear he's in shock and it's not shock oh my god my friend's been found that's shock oh my god they're going to come and get me Mm. it's self-preservation shock it's not about anyone else except for him
2: all right look mcdaniel goes as we saw and composes himself and then he actually returns to the interview a little under half an hour later
1: I, no one had seen her since saturday because i we all just there's not a whole lot of interaction unless we're doing classes right and she was doing online version of it you so. all studied together though I, I, we were in, there's it's two different people, that there's two companies that provide it. Kaplan provides it and Barbary provides it. I signed up with Barbary and I've been doing the lectures that they have in the mornings. She was doing the Kaplan online, so I hardly ever saw her. I, mean, I would see her like go out running, but I mean... What time would she go out running? I I don't even know when At I'm, night or morning? I saw her like midday a, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that was the last time I saw her was coming back from the bar prep on the main campus because we got moved over there for a week or two. But she normally would run. That yeah, I mean, she, she ran all the time. I mean, she, she had a group that she would go running with.
2: I mean, I... Amanda... This is fascinating to me You spoke about distancing before But it's gone from We were study buddies to I hardly ever saw her I mean his story is literally changing before our eyes
0: yeah, it has, it's, it's been a, a, a entire 180 because he's gone from, oh, you know, that's our college and, and, and that's where we went together and we were in the same courses and all of this too. oh I hardly ever saw her, she did the online version and I did it with a different company and I think maybe she might've gone running once and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I don't think I ever saw her and, you know, it's amazing because, you know, he's all over the place because he needs to continue that narrative but now he's taking those, those massive steps backwards. He doesn't want to be there. His body wants him, him to just shut down and shut up, but he's just going to continue with this, this narrative that's now, oh, yeah, I did know her once and I think I saw her and waved to her as she jogged past in the street. It's amazing that it was, you know, that we were best friends and I knew where her spare key was to, yeah, I don't really know her.
2: It's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm still fascinated why he's gone back to the reporter. Has he since finding out, been sitting there and going okay I've said this I need to change the narrative now what is his motivation for continuing to talk to this reporter?
0: In the simplest terms he's an idiot (laughs) basically (laughs) that's what this comes down to you know you know I have no filter you know that I'll play it straight this guy really wants his five minutes of fame and he realizes that he has to continue because like news reporters get their bit and 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 they move on and like you know the story progresses and everything but he demanded to be re-interviewed i mean he Mm. had no idea and he doesn't know all the cops are sitting there watching it going you're our guy you know (laughs) do you think they knew straight away they actually spoke to him during that half hour break that he took. Oh. Like, they're like, come on, come on. What what do you know? We've just seen that interview. Well, what do you want to tell us? You know, and he didn't say much. He just sort of gave that vague statement again. So then when he went back on camera, he gave the vague one again that he'd just given to the police saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't know her.
2: Well, look, let's go back to that interview because he changes his story one more time.
0: I, I don't know anyone that
1: would want a her. She was as nice a person as there is. Was she moving soon? Did you know anything about her? Yeah, yeah, she she was going to be moving out uh, today. She was supposed to move out today because someone else was going to be moving into her apartment in New Boston.
3: You know if she was like, where is she from? Is she uh, from Maryland.
1: Maryland yeah, is? she's from up in Maryland. Put this we can hear you. Is that all right? Okay. I'm so sorry. And you can just hold on. To her. Thank you. Yeah, she's from Maryland. Yeah, I mean, she she was from up in Maryland. I mean, all her family was there, as far as I know. I mean, she. <laughs> What's going
3: on in your mind right now? Like, what are you thinking?
1: Why would anyone do this? She didn't hear anything. No. She didn't see anybody. I, yeah, I just heard something. Maybe I could have held Okay, hey, don't worry. Do
3: you want us to dump her or something?
1: You got something to drink? Do you know if a bunch of her friends are getting together or anything? I mean, that's how I found out that she was missing. We. A bunch of her friends came over yesterday night around midnight and they they couldn't they hadn't seen her since Saturday so they were trying to find out where she was. So
0: they were knocking on neighbors' doors
1: and stuff? I you know, they, they went in, they had a key to her apartment and they checked around, didn't see anything out of place. I mean it was locked when everyone got there. That was midnight. Yeah, around midnight, and then we went. We went over to law school to see if maybe she was uh, over in the, the library studying or something. And we, we looked up in the study rooms on the third floor, and there was uh, no one there. And we came back. We looked around and just tried to find any anything to figure out where she was. Does not have any family in Georgia? I, I don't know. I, as far as I know, every all of her family is up from in Maryland. Have you met
3: her family before?
1: I, I, there, there was one time that I met them. They came down first year. She, she had a little dog, a little brown dog, that she would uh, exercise out in front of the law school. And it got hit as she was coming across the road. I, I heard the car hit it and ran out and she was there crying and we thankfully there was someone who came along who knew a vet or something and they helped that and the her family came down uh, I think a, a couple weeks after that or something and I met them just briefly. Right. But Is there a boyfriend or I we, we've been trying to figure out she has a boyfriend up in Atlanta but, I mean, someone called her, called him, and he hadn't heard from her. And just no, no one could figure out where she was.
2: <laughs> one of the things I love about that—he's very distraught. But sure, I can make myself up. No problems at all. Um, <laughs> that's the TV geeking me, Amanda. Um, <laughs> he's gone from. He's gone from knowing her to hardly ever saw her to having very detailed knowledge about her life and her family
0: yes it's amazing you know oh and she's got a boyfriend here and she had a little dog that got hit by a car and her family lives here and and you know and she was going to move there and everything the best part of that though is when the journalist says what are you thinking and it takes him three seconds to answer that is the part where he I won't swear but well I will swear um, hair was probably going shit 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 and that's what his thought was doing and it took him a while to sort of get past that to actually answer the question and that's when he, he did that whole breakdown but that that is because he broke down and he's mm. uh, it's just amazing how that actually went and seeing all of this i thought i cannot wait to get into the interrogation tapes this is going to be fascinating and i was shocked
2: well the interrogation tapes are coming up but look let's continue with where we are because he gives even more details have a look at this
1: Yeah, she went over to uh couple friend's house, Garen Mueller and Joe Cairns they live over on Walnut, and I mean, they, they said that she was over there in the morning, and then that was the last time that anyone we've been able to find out from had seen her. She
3: hadn't mentioned what she was
1: going to do that day or anything? Uh, we uh, Joe, he got onto her computer last night to see if she'd said anything. She'd sent an email out to some people that afternoon, talking about like going out to eat or something, and the last thing, that anyone, there was an email that she sent out after 10 that night where she, she sent to, I think it was someone in Atlanta, a friend of hers in Atlanta, and he, she said that she, she was afraid in her apartment that she thought that someone had tried to break in on Thursday night. And she, she was afraid to stay in there, but.
3: Where did you hear, where did you hear that from, from Joe?
1: Uh, he, he pulled it up and we, we read it off the screen.
3: She has said that to
1: a friend in Atlanta? Yeah, I, I can't remember his name, but. And you hadn't heard anything
3: on Thursday night? No. She no. never came to you
1: to tell you anything? No, I, I, if she had, I could have done something, I, I could have lent her a handgun. I've, I've got a little handgun that I have for defense. And, or
3: she could have slept
1: over or something. Yeah, I mean, something. I mean, if she was afraid in her apartment, then, I mean, get her out of there. It's it's that, has, to break in that That's what she said in the email. She thought that someone had tried to break into her apartment. She said, like, Macon Hoodlums tried to break into my apartment on Thursday night.
2: Wow, (laughs) this guy doesn't know when to stop, does he?
0: No, he doesn't, and the amount of information he just poured out would have taken the police days, maybe even a week, to actually find. So the fact that he has just blurted out all of this timeline of who she sent an email to, when, how and why, talking about that there was a possible break-in the night before, um, that she had said she was going out for dinner and everything, this is what the police would like wear their, their shoes down, trying to piece together, and he's just given it all to them in... Thirty seconds. It's it's quite amazing, and you know he is now so worried. Like his his forehead there was so wrinkled, and his eyebrows were so raised because he is so scared. He's like a rabbit in, in in the headlights. He knows that it's coming, and he just needs to talk and this is a stress um, a a stress response to an emotion like this that he knows that time's up and it's just so amazing how talkative is because it's going to switch and it's just amazing how he can do that and then go into just this whole different persona. Mm.
2: Well, that interview was on June 30 and it was after friends of Lauren had raised the alarm. Police were there on the scene and Detective David Patterson just seemed to hone in on McDaniel. McDaniel lived next door to Lauren, as we said, and whilst others were out looking for her, apparently his behaviour made some of her friends point him out to police. So this is an interesting bit, Amanda, that not only was it this interview that raised the alarm, but her very friends were looking at him with suspicion. Well, Patterson spoke, to McDaniel in the squad car and then later had him taken to the Macon police station for a formal interview. Now, look, it should be noted at this time they had found the torso of Lauren, her head and limbs were still missing. Amanda, we're about to watch some of the police interviews set the scene. We've seen a lot of interview scenes play out, but this one looks (laughs) really odd
0: yeah it is and and mcdaniel is sitting at the end of of the table furthest away from the camera and he is almost catatonic there is barely any movement to him at all compared to what we've just seen on camera so um he has his long curly hair um he's wearing a blue shirt uh the camera is actually above the door and it's sort of facing at an odd angle um and detective patterson walks in and he's already greeting that the suspect before he's even got in this is another guy i love he he is a fantastic in- interviewer i can tell you that and you know i like me a good interrogator oh <laughs> so, don't we all because um... <laughs> we've had some
2: issues in the past where uh, we've taken some interrogators to task but i'm looking forward to seeing this guy
0: yeah he's great and um he's really like if if he'd come in in a 10 gallon hat i wouldn't have been surprised he's
1: just <laughs>
0: so cowboy it's amazing and i love it and um but he's so different to how um, mcdaniel looks because mcdaniel is in there and like he's literally his arms are like loose beside his his body you know it's like he'd been drugged and forgot to lie down he really looks different to what we had just seen there's no flicking of the hair or anything, you know. But Patterson, as I said, he comes in, he's great fun from the very first moment and uh, you're going to see a good interview, I can tell you that.
2: (laughs) Well, let's not tease it any longer. Let's take a look at the first part of this police interrogation.
1: All right.
3: i just got to ask you a few more questions. You came down earlier tonight, me and you talked, all right. You don't have any weapons on all you do. No. That's just you are. What's wrong? You know Detective Patterson, right? Yes. Do you remember? Put your hands up here. you remember us talking yes. earlier tonight? Right? Yes. you remember me earlier in the day? Yes. When we came down here and talked a little bit and then we left? Yes. Okay. I need to know about this girl right here. You know her? Yes. Who is that? Lauren Giddings. Does she live next door to you? Yes. When's the last time you've seen her?
1: Two or three weeks ago.
3: OK. Was you friends with Lauren? Yes. Look at me when
2: you talk to me, son, OK? Amanda, that's... Look, this is weird. I get it. He's a rabbit straight out of the box. And the way Patterson actually moves even closer as he shows McDaniel the photo he's he's leaning against him, looking over his shoulder. But this guy is a completely different guy to who we just saw being interviewed by the press.
0: Exactly. And this is the same day this is the same day and to see him go from that to this that's that's the next red flag that we have this is him actually sort of saying I have to shut down because I can't do what I did earlier because what I did earlier was stupid Um, and so I'm going to go into the opposite persona um, to sort of go for maybe the crazy plea just something like that but you know when this started I, I was grinning from ear to ear I thought oh my god Patterson is going to be one of these guys come on son put your hands on the table that's my w- there, there you go I've done I've done my first and only <laughs> accent I'm never doing it again please don't hate me for yo that boy one. come but, over here you know <laughs> Exactly. I, I still exactly. think yours was
2: better than any accent I've ever done on this show
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll never do another one I
0: promise um, no I love it but like yeah but McDaniel is like just this catatonic thing. And like he says, put your hands on the table. And so he just sort of does this robotic put down. It's like, yeah, I if I was him, to I would have <coughs> yeah, Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> well, There's I, the next accent.
2: There you go. Well, I tell you what, forget Dancing with the Stars because this is a beautiful dance that you're about to watch as Patterson takes to the dance floor and tries to lead his partner to admit the crime. Was you friends
3: with her? Yes. Close friends? We were good I friends. mean, y'all were friends, right? Both yes. of y'all are law students. You're studying to be an attorney, right? Yes. What kind of law do you want to go into? Criminal law? Yes. Is that what you want to do for a living? Yes. Okay. Are you almost finished? Yes. Okay, so you don't have too much more to do, right? No. All right. Are you going to stay here in Macon? I don't know. Did you used to work at the district attorney's office in Macon? Yes. Was you on the prosecutor side or the defense side?
1: Prosecutor.
3: So you were on our side. Yes. <laughs> right. You never worked on the other side.
1: No.
3: Did you like it when you were down there?
2: Yes. Now, Amanda, we all know that usually you don't like it when the detective does all the talking, but I've got to say, right now, I think he's right. He's on the right path.
0: Oh, I totally agree. You know, and he's showing interest by sort of throwing in there that he knows some of his background. So I love when the detectives throw in information about the suspect to say, hey, we've already looked into you, so don't bother trying to lie because we're going to know, you mm-hmm. know. And for him to say, you know, oh, you, you, you want to work on our side, I mean, that was a great, great response to that. But Yeah, you know, I, I noticed McDaniel, that one. Yeah, but McDaniel's not not saying much. You know, he's he's got this yes, I don't know, yes, mm. and it's just so weird. in In that time, we've had twenty yeses. That is it, and it's quite amazing because you know we got Patterson going all over the place. You know, we know that he's seen the the newsreel. He knows what um, McDaniel should be talking like. So they they, they know his his um, personality already. You know, but uh, he's not asking hard questions to sort of get any sort of rise out of him he's not ready for uh any curveballs yet so that they just sort of need to work out what's going on because it could be that mcdaniel has had a complete psychotic break and he's gone you know and 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 that could be what they're having to deal with now but um patterson's just going to go with the chatty chatty um he's you know there's no threat he calls him son there's all of this sort of stuff Mm. going on you know but mcdaniel as you said you expect to hear the robot gears because he is being robotic
2: Mm. well it's interesting we're very early into this interview and they have found parts of Lauren. There's no other nice way to put that, but we know that Patterson is hoping McDaniel will slip up. Let's see. Uh,
3: got along with everybody? Yes. Okay. And you've lived next to Lauren for a long time? Yes. Okay. Do you know where she's at tonight? No. Hmm? No. Have you ever seen her with that dress on? No. You have no idea where she's at? No. okay Uh-oh. Yes? Randy
1: Gonzalez said, don't forget that he needs
3: to voucher for that due to a swap because he's going to pick it up in the front lab early, Okay, Uh, my major didn't do that, but okay. All right. All right. Bye. Look, just tell me what happened, brother. I don't know. Well, where's she at? I need you. I'm asking you for your help. I'm a detective, and I'm asking you for your help. Okay? I'm asking you for help. I need your help. Can you help me? I don't know. You don't know if you can help me? Yes. I need your help. Help me out. Tell me what to do. Has anybody asked you for help today? I need your help. I'm asking you as a friend for help. Can you help me? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You can't help a friend out? I don't know what you need. I need to know where Lauren's at. I don't know. When's the last time you seen her?
1: Two or three weeks ago.
3: Has anybody, have you ever seen anybody over her house the last
2: couple nights? No. Okay. This is really interesting. There's a couple of questions I've got off the back of that. It's not really professional during an interrogation to answer your phone and have a bit of a chat. Is there a psychology behind that? Is there a reason he's allowing that to happen?
0: There certainly is. What he's done there is to say, look, this is just a conversation. It's not a formal interview. You're not being interrogated. I just, I, I, I need your help, friend. Yes. And so what he does there is is he's creating this, this rapport with him. And so, yeah, the phone rings. Yeah, that's okay. I can take this call. I can have a laugh and a joke. But what is interesting is that McDaniel doesn't take his eyes off him. He doesn't move. He stares at the officer the entire time while he's sort of leaning back in his chair and being loose and easy, McDaniel just stares at him and doesn't move.
2: He, he, McDaniel really seems shut down here.
0: Oh, he has. I mean, as I said, this could be a complete and utter break from reality that he's having, or he has done enough of his criminology degree, and like I often say on here, if you get if you get arrested or interviewed by police, you ask for a lawyer and you don't say anything. So he's thinking, well, I won't say anything, but he is because he's saying, yes, I don't know, yes, mm. no, I don't know. And so that is still responses, but I think he's trying to sort of negate what he did earlier because he's trying to take it back by not being so so chatty now but it's like the damage is done and he he's just frustrating
2: yeah <laughs> well look Patterson tries to make him open up by asking for a possible scenario Patterson is hoping McDaniel will slip up
3: if you knew where she was would you tell me yes what do you think happened to her I don't know. Do you even care that no one can
1: find her? Yes.
3: I mean, I don't know, do you?
2: Yes. Amanda, that was a quick piece. What did you take from that?
0: Well, um, the, the yes was different that time. There was a force behind it. So he was actually disgusted that Patterson thinks that he doesn't care. You know, this is, this is supposed to be a catatonic state, but there's already that first crack. So it mm-hmm. was so forced, and, and that's why Patterson sort of asked it a second time, you know, and McDaniel went straight back to that robotic voice again. But it was just enough of a tiny slip-up that Patterson goes, oh, well, there's your answer, so, you know.
2: He's getting me. Well the interview continues for 15 minutes with McDaniel saying little else besides yes no I don't know and throughout Patterson he's towing the line before he throws something at McDaniel hoping for a reaction. You don't know. No.
3: That's what you want me to tell her mother and her father is that you don't know.
1: I don't know. Not
3: that you're sorry that she's missing. Not that you've been trying to help me all day find her, but you just wanted me to tell her I don't know. I don't know. Are you a sorry piece of shit that you want me to tell her that? You got your ass on that fucking news and stood out there and gave a media report that her mother saw about her missing daughter and you want me to sit there and tell them that you don't know. Is that what you want me to tell them? Because you're all over the news. You sure stood out there and ran your mouth to the news media, but now you're going to get out here and you don't fucking know. You know you're just a sorry piece of shit that don't give a fuck. Right? Well, why'd you tell the media everything? Do you need to see what you told the media today? It was on 11 o'clock news. Well, I'm asking you. Tell me. I want to know.
1: I don't know where she is.
3: That ain't what you told the media. You didn't stand in front of that camera and say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what a, i love this guy love him <laughs> i told you I told you he is so good and like he he just gone through a, like a, a quarter of an hour of you know getting these yeps and everything you know and he's, he's talking about his family and all this sort of stuff and then bang he goes in with that and you know mcdaniel just sort of swallows a yep he sort of doesn't know and you know it's it, it came from nowhere that this sudden attack that patterson's gone with with because he had been gentle and caring mm. and now he's like you know and you don't give a fuck about them and it's just so amazing that mcdaniel didn't see it coming and he didn't react as big as i think patterson hoped he would but you know it just sort of bang after all these sort of one after the other questions of family and you know who did you live with and why are you at this school and everything that that um mcdaniel only gave yes and no answers to to then mm. come up with this and that mcdaniel didn't see it, he was able to sort of make him shock and sort of not know how to respond because he was getting in his face but you know, it's just, I, I don't know, I like Patterson.
2: Yeah I do too. Well Patterson then asked McDaniel about the weapons he owns Right
3: You buy all these weapons. Was you ever in the military? No What do you need all these weapons for? Are you scared somebody's gonna hurt you? No. What do you need all these weapons for? To have. Why? There's a reason why. Were you molested as a child? No. Then why do you need all these weapons? To have. Why? Give me one good reason. Just give me one reason. To have. Why? Does it make you feel important? No. Huh? Hmm? Are you a big guy because you got a weapon?
2: No. It's turning. And it's about to turn even more, Amanda, because after another 10 minutes, <laughs> Sergeant Chapman enters the room. Shall we take a look? Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just don't fucking believe that shit. Don't stand back yet.
2: Did you talk to him about his guns? Yeah. When was the last time you shot those guns? I haven't. You've never shot a gun? No. Have you ever shot any gun in your whole life? No. Never? No. So you bought three guns that you've never shot? Yes. Why? To have. For what? (laughs) To have. <laughs> to have to hold Amanda you've got that smile <laughs> I mean you have got to laugh but I saw while we were watching that I saw you having a little smile on your face
0: oh this was a great tactic that they've just done so um chapman has come in no niceties no how you going son and all this sort of stuff he talks straight to patterson and does the third person did you ask him about his guns you know this is just well orchestrated and what we have is patterson being the good cop now the bad cops come in and he's angry and pissed off and you know wants to sort of have his his go at him and though chapman's wearing a pink shirt i love that he has that strength to do that. I love pink on a man and this guy wears it well and he's just a bit cheap. I wear pink all the time.
2: (laughs) Well, not all the time, but I've I've been known to have a
0: pink (laughs) shirt. but but when you're expecting this big hard cop to come in to be the heavy you're not expecting a pink polo but um it just works and it just it just made me smile a bit more but it's just so interesting because for him to come in and say you know did you ask about the guns it just sort of shows that they all are on the same page and they all know how this is going to break down and 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 create that that narrative that they need and so it's just a matter of time for him to sort of start to confess that well that's what they're hoping um, but I just love that um, that he just comes in and it totally ignores that uh, Matt Daniel's even in there, as if they were um, having a conversation in in the hallway and had nothing to do with a dissected body they had found and the killer sitting right in front of him. So it's just it's just amazing, you know. I could I could see this. I could write this script and make a movie out of just that scene. I, I just loved it. Just loved it.
2: Well, I tell you what, in our next episode, I don't wear a pink polo, but I will wear a pink shirt under my blazer for you. I love
0: a pink shirt on a man. I've got no problem with
2: it. (laughs) Everyone will have to watch the video uh, next week because this is where we're going to have to leave it because next week when we continue with this story, Chapman is going to go in hard while Patterson leaves the room and you have to see how the dynamic changes as part of that. Amanda, this really is a fascinating case. Thank you for bringing it to us.
0: No, Thank you and I love that we can see this on camera. Doing the podcast is great but being able to relive what we're seeing, I just love it It's so exciting.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying this. It's actually been a bit of a thrill. I think it's coming up really nicely. Don't forget if you want to see the video of this podcast, go to mwm.uscreen.io That's mwm.uscreen.io We will see you next week for another Monsters Who Murder series Serial killer confessions with the one and only serial killer whisperer. Amanda Howard, <laughs> thanks, Amanda.
0: Thanks, Robert.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a
1: place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands.
2: They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,